Welcome to the Songwriter Sessions, Singers, Stories, and Songs, inviting popular artists into the iHeart Studio to share some music and some interesting stories. Going into the program, you heard an excerpt from the Reed Jameson Band. And in this edition of the program, I'm pleased to finally have the Canadian artists Reed Jameson and Carolyn Victoria Mill, also known as the Reed Jameson Band, in the studio. I have been Gosh, I've been trying to get them in the studio for at least a year or two, and schedules being what they are, they, it just never worked out. Uh, every time they played in Seattle, we tried, and but today we've got them in the studio right here, right now. Uh, for those unfamiliar with the Reed Jamison band, the, the giant band, the entire band is in the studio, <laughs> which is comprised of Reed and Carolyn. Uh, you're a couple. You're married. The, the marriage came before the music? Uh, well, the relationship came at the same well, relationship came first but yeah. I was more his manager then and then he slowly roped me into the writing and singing with him and then we got married and now we just love doing this together so it's a it's a unit Reed what's the first song you've ever recorded first song I ever recorded might have been an Elvis song back when I was about 14 or 15 mm. right around there Is that uh, when you picked up a guitar yeah or it might have been a Beatles song um, I don't quite remember. We're going past 30 years now. He's so old now. And I can't I, remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's how I learned how to play guitar chords was my dad had a, a guitar sitting around and a Beatles book with, had all the chords sitting there so I could just, well, okay, that's how you play that. Gotcha. But it was also right after his uh, his his mother passed from ovarian cancer when she was only 35 and Reed was uh, just turned 15. So she was sick many years before that. And I think that for Reed was a great escape to mm. just focus down on recording, and he became quite obsessive with it. So oh I, I thank his mother for uh, for giving yeah. him a, a need to hide. Brothers and sisters, Reed? One brother, yeah, six years younger. Yeah? Yeah. Is he a musician? He's he's, he's a musician in his head. He's like... <laughs> he's a oh, tennis pro. Just, yeah. He's a tennis pro, though. He's like... Handsome, tall thing, like, too. Wow. Yeah. Reed's biggest fan next to his dad. They duke it out every, uh, every week <laughs> to figure out who's Reed's bigger fan. <laughs> Who is Carolyn Victoria Mill? Um, well, the missus, but, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just a girl who wants to sing a song or write a song. I want to touch people. Always had a love me. of music? I always had a love of music. Absolutely. Read jokes that I was in training the entire time. I just didn't know it. You were. I, yeah. You, like, you just, I think just from reading books your entire life. And, I like to read. And, you know, you ate books. I like to read and I like words. I like words. It's funny that I married a man named Reed, but I, uh, you know, quite... A big reader. But I knew early on, just listening to Carolyn talk about a subject, I'd be like, uh, you're already writing lyrics just as you're talking to me right now. Can I write that down? Mm. And, and so he would. He'd be pinching me words. And uh, I never had a drive to be a musician, but I definitely had a drive to connect with people about things that were important to me. And so so Reed gave me that opportunity to take the things that I, that meant a lot to me and, and turn them into beautiful Things that are, make it easier to listen to, right? You know what I mean? You could have something very important to say, and it's hard to hear it sometimes. feels preachy. You put it into a song, it's all of a sudden very mm. digestible. So You put out, what, 11, 12 CDs now? 
Yeah, I think we're. Th- I think this is like under Reed's name. I think it's like what eleven, eleven full CDs. Yeah, eleven yeah. CDs. My first one wasn't until Juniper's Kitchen, so I made my first record at forty-five, and I feel pretty, wow. pretty great about that. You know, because I don't think that a what lot of us inspiration. think. Inspiration. That's what I feel like, especially yeah. for the ladies I know. I'm like, you think you're done cooking? Don't be so sure. You know, I, uh, I thought I would have known that about myself at thirty that I'd know if I was going to be a recording touring artist. I would surely know that by then. Well, clearly I did not, you know, and so that's kind of exciting. I wonder what I'll do, you know, at 65. Who can say? <laughs> you're, you're kind of like a one-man show. You do it all. You do the booking. Yeah. Yeah. You do the, the travel arrangements. Yeah. Uh, you, you sell the merch. Yeah. Uh, Bookkeeping, graphic design, everything, website. Everything. How do you it. keep up with that? I'm a control freak. What can I say? <laughs> I can't leave it to somebody else. But also there's just in this industry, you can't afford to, to give the job to somebody else. So you just have to do it. And maybe because I didn't take the making the art side so seriously at the beginning, I was able to focus on all those things. And now I just add making mm. the music, writing and singing to the to the list of things to do. But I think it's just the lady's way. <laughs> you, are, you are making music all the time. You have a studio when you're home. Yes. yes. And you're constantly recording. And you do covers, but to, to, to call them covers isn't really fair. Because, Interpretations. <laughs> uh, you take ownership of these songs mm-hmm. and you make them Read Jameson's songs. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think when I was, like I said, uh, learning songs from the Beatles, just at an early age, I realized when, you, when I would learn a song, you would learn a little trick that you could apply to your own song. So I always felt from an early age, there's nothing wrong. And I realized yeah, a lot so of much my, to learn. And a lot of my favorite vocalists, like Patsy Klein, didn't write songs. But she makes the, her those songs sound like they came from her yeah, very yeah. depth Without of being. Without a doubt. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. the thing I find interesting about Reed doing them is that uh, often, you know, it'll be a song I liked originally, and then and then he records it. And then I go back and listen to the original, and I'm like, you know, I, I do like Reed's version better. And it's not that he was doing some grand thing. It's that he's doing what I thought was a genuine, you know, true-to-form interpretation, but... It's what we think we heard, you know, mm, when we listen yeah. to these songs. And then when you actually listen back to the original recording, you're like, oh, I was adding stuff or taking stuff away in my mind. And I didn't realize it. And then, like I said, Reed's version often is exactly what I thought I was hearing, yeah, you know. Yeah, so yeah. it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of cool. One of the best shows that I've heard you do was a summer show that you did on Elvis's, was his, his birthday? It was the anniversary of Elvis's death. That's right. That, August And, and the, the entire two sets were all songs from the 50s. Yeah, we loved that show, too. We had such a good time. Wow. It's pretty hard to choose what songs to do from the 50s because there are so, so many, many great, great songs. But, you know, it was such a thing we decided to do because we want to figure out, should we do that as a larger show, as a fundraiser thing that we could do for our, mm-hmm. our music now that, you know, streaming has sort of taken over? But at all 50s era show, and it's like, give them what they want, you know, but it's also this amazing opportunity to sing. Yeah, you know, yeah. like we just sang and we just we were like swimming around inside of these vocals. You know, it was like such a delight. And, you know, I used to be a rock and roll disc jockey way back in another lifetime. Mm. And and a lot of the songs that you sang, I, I said, oh, my God, that, I love that song. Walk right back. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Reed sounds so oh, like an Everly Brother at one point in the song. I always look at him like it's because it's this high sort of a it thing. It sounded it like laugh. a new song. I mean, it was just incredible. What a, I hope that you do more of those shows. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, it's, we will. If, if the audience wants it, then we'll do that. And that would be a great way for us to raise money to make our original recordings, you know. so It's very it's difficult to, to make money in this business for artists. Oh, it is. It is. You're always looking for something new in some way that you can do what you love, share the music with people who love the music. 
music yes. and still make a living. It's interesting how we all feel so helpless, you know, as the streaming technology, everything yeah. sort of takes over the business, feel helpless. And in fact, the listener is far from that. And we've learned this through house concerts. Right. Uh, the magic of house concerts is is the removing of all the middlemen. You know, it's more like the patrons of old where, you know, somebody who's a great fan of your music, but also has a decent enough size space and maybe has been known for throwing parties can then up their game by inviting an artist to come play, making the ticket by donation. So it's essentially a fundraiser for the artist. Having this intimate living room oh. concert where... Because of the lack of middleman and all the cuts that they would take, that you can have a smaller audience because all the money's going to the artist and have this show where you can hear every word. Everyone's listening. No Everyone's glasses listening. clanking, no That's talking. Right. And it's affecting us. Like normally you play a show, you barely notice that the audience is there, the lights are in your eyes. Yeah, yeah. At a house concert, you really see the reactions and people come up to you and talk to you before and after. And it feels so relevant and uh, energizing, and it's t totally affected our songwriting. Our There's our... There are a number of artists that cannot do that, cannot do a house concert for that reason. Yeah. I talked to Carla Bonoff, oh, maybe four or five years ago, yeah. about possibly you know doing a, a house concert for, yeah. a, for a fundraiser. She said, I can't handle it. Well, it's, it's too close. It's too intimate. <laughs> I need that separation. I need yes. the stage and then the audience over there and the lights out and, and all of that. The Introverts, yeah. you know, struggle with these things. Yeah. As I, uh, you know, joke about Reed that he recently came out He's as, a recovering a, as introvert. an introvert, <laughs> and uh, but he was wise enough to go, you know, marry up with a with an extroverted gal. So I'm basically a, a foil where if I just buy a really nice dress, then uh, everybody can look over here and stop staring at him. You look great last and, night. Uh, by thanks, the way. babe, and uh, <laughs> that, that it makes him more relaxed because he's not quite so on, you know. Yeah. On display, and then he can enjoy all the good things about a house concert, which is that listening audience. A house concert is win, win, win all the way around. Oh, yeah. I remember the first one I went to was probably 30 years ago. Wow. A friend of mine called me up and said, said do you know who Chuck Brodsky is? Mm -hmm. I said, well, I have his CD, and he's got a great song called We Are Each Other's Angels, which is one of my favorites. Oh. And he said, well, he's in town tonight. I said, where is he playing? He says, at an apartment out by Northgate. Oh. I said, at an apartment? What? Yeah, it's a house concert. I said, what the hell is that? Best so, thing that ever happened to well, singer-songwriters. <laughs> pe people who like to come and listen to music in an intimate setting, I said, well, I'm, I don't know those people. I, I, I just soon not go. And he said, no, no, let's go. Do it. Do it. And I did it, and I was blown away by the energy, by the intimacy. You know, everybody pays like 25 bucks, brings a bottle of wine to share, maybe some, some finger food. And I've never seen anyone regret it, you know, oh. because it's so hard to meet people. And even we go out to shows where I've gone to so much trouble to do my hair and makeup and everything. But meanwhile, we walked in, we sat down, watched the concert, walked out, went home. It was pointless. Yeah. Whereas at a house concert, we meet every single person in the room and everybody in the room is bound to meet somebody there. And they have something to talk about, you know, because they actually heard what was being said. But I find that nobody regrets it. Yeah. yeah. But you know who's the star? Who's the true star of the house concert? The host. The host. That's right. Our first American house concert was in uh, in Washington here in Olala. Nolan oh, yeah, is yeah. just he's my one true Santa. I love that man. But, you know, he really turned us on to that. And he actually, I think he introduced us to Mike Morales, mm. oh. and who I'd love to pay tribute to Absolutely. today. Absolutely. 
He's uh, he's not just a house concert host, but a talented uh, singer-songwriter in his own right. Him and Debbie, you know, invited us to come and play their home uh, several times now. Yeah, yeah. Lovely place it is on, on Lost, Lost Lake. Lake. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What yeah. a lovely environment. And especially to be hosted by this mm. uh, beautiful, beautiful man inside and out to encourage us to, to do, you know, our thing the way we do it. Yeah, he's so, he's so special. And sadly, you know, we had to cancel our last show at his place. Because a lot of health issues. Yeah, you know, which yeah. happens to all of us, but uh, it seems extra criminal when it happens to somebody as handsome and vibrant as that man. Absolutely. You know, so... Uh, but, you know, it, it, it goes to show that you never know what's going to happen. I mean, life can correct. change in a heartbeat. That's Tonight right. could be, gosh, the last night of your life. It really could be, and that's... With, uh, with that's, that being said... I think we're going to sing this song we g- wrote. Give me the background on the song. Well, what had happened is, is Reed and I uh, moved from Toronto to, to Vancouver, B.C., I guess 14 years ago, mm-hmm. and we must have blacked out the part, you know, where you just sort of just don't think about it. Y'all are on a fault line, and earthquakes are a possibility. And, it doesn't really come up back home. And we arrive at our friend's house in Victoria in you know, the magazine on, the t- on their little magazine stack, the top one... The big one's coming. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, uh, what's Why this did about? we move here what's again? Anyways, on? well, one night we did experience our first earthquake in uh, Vancouver that we were awake for, because God knows it probably happened before. We just didn't notice. And it was terrifying, and we were ill-prepared. But it set off a chain of thoughts about, wow, have we served this life properly? Have we put out, have we given it what we've got? And that's a really great thing to remind yourself at the beginning of every show. We like to sing this song, kind of like saying grace to remind you to not sleepwalk through this life, you know, and certainly not through a show. (laughs) Welcome to the last night of my life. At least that's what I'm telling myself to help me get it right. I don't want to waste this precious gift my mama brought to life. So welcome to the last night of my life. When I am old and maybe lonely, will my dreams still wait for me? When I wake up, am I only half of what I'm meant to be? Well, there ain't no thing is getting it right, my heart keeps telling me. So welcome to the last night of my life. Time goes by and I'm never in the same room as me, myself, and I try, oh how I'll try, not to waste another moment, I swear I'm gonna live before I die, welcome to the last night of my life. At least that's what I'm telling myself to help me get it right. For Mike Morales. Nice, nice. And that that is recorded on one of your CDs? Sadly, no. How embarrassing. We went to record it on our newest record when we were in Ireland in the middle of nowhere. And uh, and it was such an important song to us that when we you know, got home, because it was all done rather quickly, we realized it wasn't quite right. It needed to be just right and so we didn't put it on that record that uh, but now i realize because of course we get hassled at every show so how about that first song where can i get that first song how embarrassing uh so i think we're gonna re- 
record it and release it as a single this year. That'll be a lovely thing. And eventually it'll be added to a record. But Let's talk a little bit about Midazza. Nice. Uh, you went to Ireland, and you had to give up a little bit of control, I would imagine. <laughs> How'd uh, you like that, Reed? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. No. I mean, it's a lot different from the home studio. Oh, yes. What's interesting is that our producer, Kieran Kennedy, vibrant, energetic... Uh, madman. Madman. Uh, Crazy Irishman. When you find four <laughs> Irishmen, you always find a fifth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I really liked his vibe, and it seemed like his approach was going to work for what we wanted to do. I always take way too much time in making a record, whereas you lose the passion sometimes by doing things Obsessing too many times. Obsessing over multiple right. On the details. Details that yeah. really no one's really going to notice. So going there with him was like, we've only got this much time. We're, we're walking away with a record. We're not going to... That's what Reed wanted. He really yeah. wanted to have like a quick... Let's just go in there passionately, get her done. In his mind, that's what he wanted. But the real man, the the, the man I live with, was terrified yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. to be doing that. But you did it. And I have to say, when uh, in the last day of recording, uh, I went for a walk in the field and the sun came out and, and I felt like I was floating on air. It was just such a wonderful mm. feeling to have to have given over to that process. And, and now when I, we listen back to the record, I can hear it in my vocal that... I truly was in the moment, really feeling it, because he wouldn't let me do very many vocal takes. It was like... Oh, my goodness. Like, literally, it was three takes. Most of them were the first take that we used, and his guitar on it. It was funny, because Reed thought he was just laying down a ghost track. And he was like, okay, great, we've got the guitars. Reed's like, what? We're done. Wait a minute. We're done. And and his vocals, like I said, pretty much the first take each time. This is so not, you know, what a perfectionist does, you know. So he was mortified, and it went really well, and so we're just delighted. Also, the the experience, like, as we've said before, it's harder to make uh, a living and making music. So whatever you do, you should really enjoy it and have an experience of it and meeting the people there. Oh, my goodness, the whole town. Just... 700 people in Skull uh, in West Cork. How did you people. link up with this guy? We, we, we played a show in, in Toronto at, at a, you know, a favorite club there, a very famous Irish-Canadian artist, uh, Mary Margaret O'Hara. She's a bit of a legend. She's also a dear friend. She came and joined our band that night and played with us all, all night. She brought two guests, and her two guests were this couple. The uh, the woman, to me, you know, I, I thought, oh, she looks like that actor. And uh, But there's only 12 people on the planet, and everybody else just looks like them. And then uh, her husband was this devilish, you know, Irishman, just charmed the pants off me, and I really enjoyed him. And we all went out for drinks afterwards, had a great time. And then he said, in an email to me after it says, you know, I, I don't, uh, I, I produce a lot of stuff, but I don't, and I don't say this all the time, but you know, I really enjoyed that. And if we were ever in the same place, breathing the same air, I'd, I'd love to make a record with you guys. Of course, you know, I was like, I love Ireland. Let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> but then I realized, oh my goodness, that was the actor in, in question. His wife is uh, Maria Doyle Kennedy, who is a famous actor. And like, it's embarrassing. And I'm glad I didn't realize at the time because she's, uh, she was in The Commitments. Oh, wow. The Tudors. Downton Abbey, Outlander, yikes! You name it, uh, a list. Yeah, so thank God I didn't. And one of the most down to earth people, but also an extremely talented musician, singer, songwriter, and her and her husband, Kieran, our producer, uh, make records together, much like we do, where he's more, you know, in the behind and she's in the front, and and uh, such talent and such beautiful songs and lots of meaning and heart. So we were delighted it, to work it, with it, somebody it, who's it, used to that. Exactly, and it seemed like a good, a safe bet to go somewhere where a man, if we thought, well, he's going to be sensitive to a male-female relationship yeah. working together. Yeah, he knew exactly what that was about, and he made me feel so good. Oh, my goodness. Oh, right yeah. So Did you was... play any gigs in Ireland? No, we were t- too busy. Well, no, so, you know, who's got time for that? You're making a record, and you got to go to the pub. <laughs> These yeah, are two time-consuming activities. We're about two hours into recording, and he's like, so to the pub? <laughs> 
Reed Jamison and Carolyn Victoria Mill joining us on uh, on the studio sessions today. Tell me about Stuart McLean and how you came to uh, be a part of his ensemble. Well, I, I do love the story. Thank you for asking about Stuart. When we lived in Toronto, uh, it was early on in the career, uh, our time together, me and Carolyn, and uh, she was she had a music night that she was hired to organize at at our favorite club, the, Rib- the music Ribbley, series. Book in the music series upstairs. It was a wonderful. It was like every Wednesday night, Canadian artist. You play a set. We DJ all Canadian music. It was called the Maple Lounge. Maple Lounge. So yeah, it was. It was just a nice. It was a very great thing for like tourists coming into. I had uh, an hour slot for a solo musician, and, and I had booked uh, Tony Decker from the Great Lakes Swimmers, really talented guy. But he um, he couldn't play one night. Uh, yes, uh, he was so polite. He was like, I- "I've been asked to open up for Ron Sexsmith at Massey Hall. Do you mind? If I <laughs> oh my goodness! Go do you mind do if that? I cancel tonight? And because I was pretty strict about things, I was like, "Yeah, you can go, and I'll just sub Reed in. You know, I'll put Reed in that slot." And then uh, Stuart McLean had come that night to see Tony Decker. So he walks in, finds out Tony's sick. You know, he thinks he's going to turn around and go home. I'm like, "Not so fast! Sit your butt <laughs> down right now. You'll be watching this man." And he did. A few he weeks later, get the call from Jess Milton, his amazing producer. I said, do you want to come do a, a, like a live taping of a radio show in Port Hope, Ontario? And I'm in the rest. It just snowballed from there. We just got along with them so well. What a great crew. There's such an amazing crew it's of the... people. And I've just been so fortunate to be able to go on tours with them and, and just to hang out with them too, like uh, getting into a town and, and having the time to go for a walk mm. with Stuart. And we'd go to like a local bakery and, you know, he'd find a story from somebody that was interesting to the town, and then it would sh- that would end up being in the show that night. Yeah, you had to watch what you said to him. That was going to oh, yeah. get spun into something. <laughs> he was, yeah, he was pretty devious that way, I think. But he also um, he took advantage of Reed in the best possible way in that a lot of artists would come through and they would play on the show, you know, in between the stories and everything, you know, whatever right. they were going to do. But Reed, he used as his personal uh, jukebox and would um, have these shows like when he did in Montreal – Stewart as a boy because he grew up in Montreal and, and he took advantage of Reed's ability to learn a song quickly and to jump into things where he was like, ooh, I want this song, you know, from his from his youth, yeah, right? Yeah. And yeah, do that one. And it's like, okay, so Reed's learning it and it's like, okay, you know what? Actually, no, I want this song. And he just kept changing it up right to the very last minute. He's like, and you know, really hard songs. Reed's like, got it. No problem. Yeah. Wow. And he just keep uh, singing all the songs. It was the most beautiful show too. And it ended with uh, In My Life by the Beatles. And I just remember being in this Big theater, just going, wow, that's special, you know? Those experiences of being in a beautiful theater and having amazing sound, and you're just, you're standing there on stage looking out, and there's just... In, drop, silence, you know, that's You can't hear anything, yeah, there's no one making a single noise. Were we not spoiled You can hear someone at the end of the song, you can hear them sort of go, (sighs) (laughs) like a collective little sigh from a bunch of people. Which is a wonderful thing, and it did spoil us uh, for all other club shows. I'm pretty sure that it made house concerts seem like the best idea. Yeah. Because that yeah. was more that feeling, you know. When did Stuart pass? Two years ago. Well, it'll be three years ago this February. Oh, this February, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. He's still alive in our hearts, though, and I think that's really important. And uh, and the hearts of most people in Canada, I would yes, dare to yeah, say. Yes, yeah, and a lot he, of people yeah. in uh but he, the US he, and he, UK he connected Canada like I don't I think like no other uh, yeah. entertainer has telling stories from one end to the other and they're all going oh I didn't know that about uh, Nova Scotia oh I didn't know that existed there okay. and his true joy was introducing unknown Canadian singer songwriters to the rest of the country yeah he loved that part yeah. he just got right into that part he liked to sing and play himself and I think it's just such a pleasure for him to do that and so many of us benefited from that and found new audiences so bless his heart Reed and Carolyn joining us in the studio what is your what is your writing process or is there one 
it moves around a bit. It does move around a bit, and I think you always have to be open to uh, inspiration no matter how or when it strikes. I think the, the biggest factor is truly stop multitasking and trying to do this and that and just give yourself a space to feel something. Can, can you schedule that? Can you say, okay, tonight I'm going to sit down and, and try to be in the now and write? Maybe not so much on a tonight, but maybe this weekend, maybe this mm. week. Like, we'll go off, and we just did a, a little jaunt over to Vancouver Island and, and stayed in a friend's RV. He's got an RV on his – or Luthier, actually, the guy who fixes our guitars. He um, has an RV, and we would go in that, and we would, you know, shut the door and sort of, you know – and we might not get anything done for a couple of days, but eventually you get over yourself and you start uh, making things happen. A common process for us will be Reed will – just get inspired with the melody on guitar and he'll just, he can write to me. It's amazing. He'll write a whole song. That's all just the melody on the guitar. You know, he'll pick it all through. And to me, it sounds like it's done. You don't have to sing another, you don't have to sing on it. Nothing. It's already a perfect song in my mind. I love that. And then, and then he'll throw it my way. Sometimes he will have put down some scratch vocals where it's just like scrambled eggs, you know, whatever to kind of sing something, but there'll be a gem in there and then he'll throw it to me and then I'll go, Hmm, this really makes me feel like this. And the thing you said that, no, this line, you know, the rest of it might have been throwaway, but this line kind of struck me. And then so I'll start writing something and then we'll sit down together and, and go, does that sing well? Does that does that break your heart? Am I, is my heart broken? I need my heart broken. So, we will, <laughs> you know, we'll go digging around and trying to take what we really wish others knew and present it in a way that 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 just breaks through all of our reserves and and gets to our heart. Are there times when certain lines come to you and you say, I've got to write that down? <laughs> oh, yeah. And and you should always, I'm saying this to any person out there, if you're writing poetry, stories, whatever, yes. we'll go and write it down. Don't think you're going to remember it's just this because you're not. Oh, my God. I, I've, been, I've been writing poetry all my life, and the greatest lie I tell myself is waking up in the middle of the night, having a line, and thinking, I'll, remember I'll write this. Yeah, I'll write no, that down won't. in the morning. No, no, no you, you won't. won't. We, we, yeah. We've gotten a couple of awesome <laughs> songs because Carolyn woke up in the middle of the night with a melody in her head and a, a dream line. or something. Yeah, yeah. And just got to find the nearest napkin or whatever. I did. I wrote it on Rufus's crumpled napkin, like with like an eyeliner or something. And of course, when I woke up in the morning, that's when I remembered. <laughs> I actually did remember because I wrote it down. It was funny. In terms of the, the new CD, Midaza, how did all the songs come together? Did you have them before you went to Ireland? Almost all of them before we went to Ireland, uh, we had together uh, sorted out. And, and it was a very emotional record. If you look at the cover, Midaza is cork slang for uh, just right or most awesome. But the direct translation is I'm dying, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which is kind of interesting because we all are. If you look at the cover of the record, it's actually a picture of Reed's eye and he's crying. And we wanted it to be because that's what we find so charming about Ireland. It's like one of the last places in the world where a man can sing and cry at the same time unapologetically. <laughs> and uh, I just love that sentimentalness yeah, there, you know. Yeah. And so we really wanted an emotional record that that didn't shy away from a man's ability to feel. So. There's one song on there that I think is one of the best songs you've ever done. It's called Enough. Mm. How did that come to be? Well, it's funny because we're in Seattle right now. Our dear friend Gail here, one of oh, our lady I love babes. Her. I she's love a, her. our lady babe. She just, you know, flippantly said something to me in a text around the time that we were writing the record in the, in the RV. We're in, on Vancouver Island, and she said something about, you know, she just so it was so blase. Like, and of course, you know, I never feel like I'm enough. Blah blah blah. You know, next thing or whatever. And I was just like, oh, I love that woman so much, and she's so special and so fantastic. And it's like you're feeling like you're not enough. I feel like I'm not enough. 
Reed feels like he's not enough, and which is, you know, messes in my head, you tall, handsome, talented, thank yeah, you, yeah, yeah. that he feels like folks don't even want to hear the rest of his song or that his, you know, face ain't right. What the what? We all need to turn off that tape yeah. of negative self-talk and flip it over to this tune if you can. <laughs> How long did it take to write? I mean, it was done in one session. The m- melody was mostly there and the, and the chord structure and everything. And I'll just play it over and over again and, you know, hum things. And if Carolyn's got one line, I'll sing that. And she'll just sit there and just get inspired by the moment. And we can literally just do that for hours. But I'm just trying to tell him what I'm thinking about this phenomenon, you know, of, of not valuing ourselves and of what Gail said and... And thinking about, you know, how fabulous she is and that who she's feeling the way. And, and so as I'm saying it, and I start saying it to the beat, you know, because he's playing it. And then you just find, you know, especially that one long note come out. And it was just, you know, I cried the first 40 times we sang that song. I cried, you know, which I know is a good thing. <laughs> I have to keep my emotions slightly in check because if you start crying while you're singing, it doesn't, you know, it you can do a little, yeah. just a little bit, just a light, a light frosting. Sounds like a good idea. It's not. Yeah. Is that difficult to do? I mean, to keep your emotions and, and to um, to not be where you once were in a song? Yeah. I've, I've, not for him. Not for man. me. No. <laughs> you shut it off. No, I, f- I feel like uh, I more often have to, I'm as I grow older, I realize the value is in feeling something when I'm singing a song. It really comes through. So I'm pushing myself to be in the moment and to really feel it. As opposed to I've always been on the technical side, make sure it's technically right, done right. well. Which is a way of distracting yourself from your feelings. I yeah. do think that, and he got that from being younger, you know, with his mom being sick and everything. Yeah. It's like it's safer not to feel anything. But when you look in the audience, you must make eye contact with people who are going, oh, and that's, oh, that gets my me. God. That gets me. It's, I'll just look for a moment and be like, oh, okay, whoa, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you have touched a chord. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. Let's listen to uh, right. Enough. Justify, not take up too much space. Are you good enough? Worth a little love? Are you Burdened by the weight of 
past mistakes You paint the lie with masks you buy That make up for a fake Facing shame You quickly turn away Reflections in the window's pane Have nothing kind to say Do you rate enough? Rate a little love Are you is from the new CD, the latest CD, Midaza, Reed Jamison, and Carolyn Victoria Mill. You've done a lot with the music of uh, Leonard Cohen. Mm-hmm. You've been lifelong fans of Leonard Cohen, and you did an entire CD and, and had the balls to actually put an original <laughs> song on the CD that almost made it to the ears of Leonard Cohen. Yeah, it was a little embarrassing or frustrating or whatever you want to call it that uh, when we made the record, um, we uh, got an email from Leonard Cohen's manager asking us to send him a copy. And we we did. I actually sent him two just in case. And and then we got a a letter back, like in the mail, which was exciting uh, because we'd sent... uh, um, the the record, but we'd also printed out the lyrics to to the song "Dear Leonard" that we'd written for for Leonard as, as an open letter to the man, you know, about uh, about Reed's struggle with words, and you know, I like to think Leonard's struggle with singing. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, <laughs> it was, but it was also kind of a you know more admiring the man and, and wondering you know where he gets all those words. It's called "Dear Leonard," so we get this letter back, and he says. I'm in receipt of your of your record, your card, and your poem. And he called it a poem, which I thought was really nice. And, uh, and he goes, I, I'll keep it here at the office until Leonard comes by uh, next. And then he died within like, you know, a month or two of that. And I thought, could you not have waited? 
33 more minutes, Mr. Cohen. You've lasted this long. Could you not have heard that? Because, you know, it wouldn't it matter what ex- he said. It was an exciting month, though, sort of thinking, any day now he might be in that yeah. office listening to that. And and who cares what he says, too? Even if he said, you know, you guys suck, it would be like on our press releases moving forward, Leonard Cohen, you guys suck, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But no, what can you do? Wow. So who knows? He could be listening now. <laughs> he probably is. Well, Did you ever hear or see him live? Never got to see him live. Isn't that embarrassing? We no, my no, mother won't shut up no. about it, though. He played oh. for four hours. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Mom, I know. But it is quite <laughs> It is quite something, though, like uh, when his second last record. You want it darker. You want it darker. Yeah. One of the best things. Uh, we were driving along the Oregon coast and put that on. It was like a drizzly day. And it was just like the perfect soundtrack, and it was just <laughs> couldn't believe how good it was. Yeah, and so's yeah. his new one, and he made it with his yeah. son. And I just think, wow, to make such great recordings, you know, and, and write such great songs, you know, at that stage in your life, in your eighties, you know. And I often wonder who will be the woman who will listen to into their eighties, where they're still writing their own stories about what mm. they're experiencing now. That's what I'm excited to hear. And but I think I've figured it out. It's going to be Lucinda Williams or Buffy St. Marie. Oh, Buffy St. Marie. Man. Love her. Couldn't love her more. Yeah, yeah. She's such an inspiration to us and a really big inspiration on our new project, if you must know. Well, that that's a good segue into the new project, which uh, what is the difference between a pigeon and a dove? Well, exactly. Not so, very much. No. Well, as it turns out, it's the same damn bird. Uh, so we uh, the project is called The Pigeon and the Dove, A History of Hatred and Love. And it's uh well it's going to be a more of a folk opera like it'll be a whole stage show with with a uh, talking and singing it'll be the stories will be about pigeons but the songs there are sort of our backdoor way of of speaking about the causes of homelessness and that tipping point where we go from the housed to the homeless is much like that pigeon and the dove uh, in that it is a combination of color class and commonness that can render a creature invisible and even detested when it's the same creature, you know, in our homes, sitting there. We're the same person as the guy on the street or the gal on the street, but for a lack of housing, you know, Mm. and there's so many different paths you can take to end up on the street. And we wanted each of those songs to explore those different ways so that we could draw attention to the potential to prevent, because it's so hard when somebody's on the street to know what to do next. You know, should I give him the five bucks or shouldn't I? Will he just drink it? When uh, we could be thinking about that tipping point where somebody goes from, you know, being just like us to being not like us, them. And there's things we can do. And so we've been exploring, you know, the solutions that uh, some people have come up with to mitigate the ever-growing lack of, of affordable housing for, for everybody, but just many different causes, and so that's well, what we wanted to When I get on the freeway and I see people with a sign yes. asking for money and disheveled and in need, mm-hmm. I think of them as a toddler. They were all toddlers. Oh, yeah. 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 And that image, I prefer to, you know, w- the reality of today because so many people are just a paycheck away from being where they are. Without a doubt. We all are. Yeah. And certainly as musicians, I mean, sure. you know, we've got a, a bird's eye view of the street there. You know, sometimes it's just, you know, being st- stuck in a relationship is an interesting one. A friend of mine once said um, when we were walking around downtown Vancouver, he says, how come you don't see more women on the street? I said, well, that's an excellent question. I said, the so- sorry truth of the matter is we always have the option of staying in a terrible relationship. Mm. And, you know, often we'll know somebody, a woman we think is being abused emotionally, physically, whichever and we think, just get out. Why don't you just go? I mean, like, honestly, you know, save yourself. And if, especially if you have children, but and even if you don't, it's like you recognize that it's here or the street. You know, I grew up poor and 
my mom didn't have a whole lot of options after, you know, our father left. It was like, you know, this is what you, you had a plan and it falls apart. And so you have to make that choice. Do I subject these kids to this ongoing trauma or do I subject them to the all new trauma of housing insecurity? How long has the new project been in your mind, in your heart? Mm-hmm. It's been percolating for quite some time now. Yeah. It's been percolating for, for quite a while, but we really wanted to give it our full attention and not have it just be just another record. We want to make it a, a fundraising folk opera, like I said, where we will tour it, uh, you know, have an educational component to it. So so we're taking our sweet old time to do it right. But this is the year that we do the real heavy lifting. Can you share one of the songs from that? Yeah, Reed's really keen on this song. I, I, I love it too, but it scares me a little bit because it's it's so intense. But he just really enjoys uh, singing it and playing it. I think it's because he gets to play a role, don't you, honey? I get to play a role. I get to be a very bad person in the song, which I'm not normally. My viewpoint of the songs is either my voice or I feel like I'm playing a character and I feel like I get to not be myself. And it Which is kind of exciting, you know. Yeah. That, uh, But the point of the song, and this song is about domestic abuse and how that is complicated path to the street that people don't necessarily recognize how complicated it is and why a woman might defend her man, you know, in those circumstances, because it's a cycle. Yeah, it is. It's a cycle. Vicious cycle. Vicious cycle. Easy to get into, hard to get out of. Mm. This song is uh, it's called Bad News. She didn't want to be the bearer of bad news but she couldn't stand to see her standing in sad shoes he's not the man he seems it's written in black and blue you won't take it from me but i wouldn't if i was you i wasn't 17 no stranger to being used but after all i'd seen those roses were looking it's not like he was mean, but after a drink or two, he took my pride from me, just like you said he would. Where do you run to when you've turned everyone away? When what it comes down to is only a fool would stay. Yeah, I dug myself in, it's the grave or the street Where the bed that I made will be waiting for me Cared enough to call, maybe just to complain Now two cops in the hall, just let me please explain What she's asking for is nothing in your domain Between me and the walls, she was getting up in my face You won't tell them on me, if you know what's good for you Just who would they believe trust them to see it through with no shoes on their feet people can be so cruel you take those kids from me but i wouldn't if i was you where do you run to no one somebody has to pay when what it comes down to is only a fool would stay yeah i dug myself in the grave or the street where the bed that I made will be waiting for me yeah I 
myself in It's the grave or the street Where the bed that I made Will be waiting for me That's just one of uh, the many songs in the, the folk opera. Yes, The Pigeon and the Dove. The Pigeon and the Dove. In, in putting together a quote-unquote folk opera, what, is, what does that entail? How's that different from doing a CD? Well, you know, the CD is actually going to be an afterthought, really. You know, it's going to be the stage production. It's kind of like it's musical theater to some degree. You have that funded, I assume. Well, no, not yet. But uh, thanks to folks like you and uh, <laughs> our house concert hosts and yeah. potentially those 50 shows, 50s era shows are going to do, we will raise that money somehow to make that thing happen. Uh, what we'd really like to do is to have a theater production where we come into, let's say, could be a community center. It could be a proper theater it could be an art gallery, and we will have potentially a video screens, you know, where people can watch things relevant to understanding of the humanity of these people on the street. A lot of them have such histories, rich histories, and, and things that they did that you, you would be so ad- admiring of them, but we they're invisible now because they're on the street. We can't see them anymore. It's kind of like being, a, you know, a woman over 50 or a, or a pigeon. You know, we don't recognize just how fantastic these birds are. And this is what I, I wanted to, to to do is to sort of, you know, lighten it up in a way by talking about the magnificence of pigeons that they, you know, a lot of people don't realize that they're, they over the history have played such a huge role in, in uh, sharing information, enriching people like financially, you know, bringing the news of, of Napoleon's defeat at Waterloo. Mm. That impacted, uh, you know, the Rothschilds' fortunes incredibly. They were they were decorated war heroes. You know, if they flew so many missions, they would get their portrait painted, you know, and, and I don't think a lot of people knew that about them. Their eyesight's so good, they, they outperform the Coast Guard in looking for bodies and pathologists in looking for uh, cancer cells in a, in a slide. So uh, they're, they're really fascinating creatures, and I'd love to, like, and educate people about that and have them questioning their own biases when they see somebody that, you know, because I know myself and that's how it started was that that bias of when you walk by a person on the street going, you know, I can't help it. It's my knee jerk reaction. It's like lazy, drunk, you know, that's a mm. lot deeper than that. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you uh, have ever heard of the Dr. Gabber Mate, he's a Vancouver uh, doctor who spent a lot of the time on the downtown east side working with um, homeless people and also in palliative care wards and a lot to do with addiction. And his idea is that addiction is not a disease. Addiction is a symptom of childhood trauma, of not getting that love, that nurturing, that Mm. unconditional comfort that we need when we're in our early years, that if we don't, that will remain a hole in our soul that needs filling with something. In your career, you've always paid close attention to social issues. There's one song you did, Gift of Life, promoting organ donors. Yes, yes. So, so you have always been wanting to help. Well, you know, it's wanting to feel like 
not helpless, I think, you know. Yeah. I think I grew up feeling really helpless. And I know that Reed feels, you know, pretty helpless when faced with a lot of these issues. Well, and being a, you know, white, tall, classically, you know. Dude, a man. You know, (laughs) like I have been, you know, I've just won the lottery of birth uh, from being born in Canada. It's just, I I really feel like, yes, I could just write songs, uh, like love songs are great. Music just makes people feel better. But I feel like if you can make people feel better, also make people aware of certain things that they may not be aware of and make them feel and think. I feel like that, that it's just for me that whole aspect of the song. And it's really been since meeting Carol and I, to be honest, when I used to write songs, I would just sort of let the lyrics happen and I really wouldn't look in too deeply at what they meant. And, and I subsequently would have trouble remembering them when I was playing them live <laughs> because like there was no real story to them. But now our songs, I find that we write together, have a, so much meaning that I, I know them. They're a part of my being. Incredible depth to yeah, the lyrics. I, I think so. Well, yeah. and what I find admirable about Reed is that uh, since we got together, he just had zero problem. He's sort of a natural feminist, but he had zero problem taking his white male privilege and turning it over as an amplifier of these issues and the, the things that, you know, that because I was always thinking about th- those sorts of things. That, you know, I worked for a, a musician in, in uh, Toronto who was a great philanthropist and raised, you know, over a million dollars for for charities. Molly Johnson, she's actually coming to Seattle to play in March. She got me thinking on those things. And so Reed amplifies those things because people are happy to hear whatever his tall white handsomeness is is saying and uh and he's he's that's something he can do. You know, a lot of time when we talk about privilege, we forget to to direct people as to what they could do about it because you know, our first thought is just to feel guilty. And, you know, I know that was the way with Reed, but instead it's like, how about feeling empowered? How about feeling like, wow, I could do something, you know, even if it's handing over the mic. You know, in his case, he keeps the mic in his hand. But the the thought, the, the purpose behind it is coming from, you know, someone else's struggle. And then he makes it uh, so much easier to hear. And that's a wonderful thing because people need to hear those things. You do a lot with social media, Facebook and Instagram, and to keep your name out there, your yes. music out there. And I want to tell people listening that if you go to YouTube and search for Reed Jameson Band, there's a ton of videos out there. But that's only half the story. If you have a chance to see this band, this couple, these two wonderful musicians in person, you come alive on stage like nobody I've ever seen. Oh, you're a sweetheart. You're a sweetheart. And, 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 and thanks for saying that. Uh, and it's funny how it's never captured in videos. No, it isn't. Not it that we tried not. that hard, it, but it just doesn't. Uh, that's one of our big thing is uh, is videos, and that's something we plan on working on a lot more this year because we do want to reach a wider audience. Oh my goodness, it doesn't come across. There's nothing like being there. Yeah, yeah. If you get a chance to go see live music, especially in these intimate environments, I say go because you can't replicate it. You yeah. just can't, and it's magic. You know, and and that's it feels one thing like, I love about the intimate venue of a house concert mm-hmm. or a, even just in general a smaller venue because I like amazing to play a theater. Do not get me wrong. But it's harder to know what kind of effect you're having on the audience when Did you can't land? really yes. see them. Yeah. And yeah. You, they applaud afterwards. But w- when you play a house concert or a small venue, when you can see people's faces, they are helping create. They feed us. They, They've yeah. changed it's, it's, the it's, way we make music. Yeah. it's You know, that was, that was you know, because I had Nolan's, his feedback, the, the feedback we get, people coming up to, to us and very specific about specific songs you know, these things that meant something to them or that had them, you know, crying, which is my favorite. Yeah. yeah. You know, I always say as singer-songwriters, if you're crying, we're winning. Uh, <laughs> but that makes us go, okay, so that wasn't just in my head that I thought, no, that's a really important song. It's like, yeah, no, confirmed. It is a really important song. So 
So, you know, when you come out to a show, know that you might be feeding us. Yeah, you might be yeah. feeding us. And that's so special. There was so- someone sitting next to me last night that when you finished enough, he, he gave a, a sigh. And in the sigh was, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Like, as the wow. best yeah. yeah and men you know this was a thing so reed has had many crises of faith you know in making music whether or not he should continue doing that i can't tell you how often that comes up for him where he doubts whether or not he should continue to make music you know and i'm sitting there going of course you could should um but we had a very long heart to heart one on a walk one time before we made midaza to to get him energized about why make music why make a record and i asked him i said well if you go back to when you first got into music what was the draw? And in his, we ended up squeezing from him the essence of it. And the essence was, you know, while dealing with the fear of his mom dying mm-hmm. as youth, it was a it was a safe place to feel. Like you yeah. couldn't just break down, you know, in class or wherever because you started thinking about your mom. You know, everybody would be like, what's up, boy? You know, man up, you know, which is terrible, right? But instead, when you were listening to Paul McCartney or the Kinks or something and it got emotional and sad, it was perfectly okay to be swept away in a sad song, you know, and, and to have those emotions. So we realized, yeah, music is a safe place to feel. And especially for mm. for fellas, I think they really need that. And so that's been a, a pleasure to yeah. get those fellas going oh, afterwards. <laughs> and I love when they come up and they want to hug us, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I think, oh, good. You know, yeah. we've, that's a job well done. And, and all of this, is, again, is in a house concert. It's if you have not been to one, find one and go to it because they're just amazing. It's, Same with folk clubs. I have to yeah, say, folk clubs yeah. are a very similar vibe. Uh, and there's a folk club in every major city and, yeah. and, and small ones too. And Seattle's got a fantastic one, the Seattle Folklore Society. I remember several years ago being in, um, I had reservations at a house concert. It was a, it was a three women from Canada and I can't remember the name the of it. The Good Lovelies, maybe? No. no. But anyway, they were at Bill's and the, I, I work at KJR and occasionally we get tickets to concerts. Yes. The program director came into me that day and said, I have a couple of tickets to see Paul McCartney at... Uh, Key Arena here in mm. Seattle. Uh, it's in a private suite and it's catered and I'd love to give you these tickets. And I said, I'm going to a house concert. Oh, give I them love to you. someone else. <laughs> wow. B- people looked at me when I told them that story at the house concert. Are you crazy? No, I'm not crazy. A little bit. <laughs> uh, I don't want to sit in a huge venue, Yes. watch no it on a freaking big screen j- just for the glory of being in the same zip code Yes. As Paul McCartney. Yes, and bless his heart, he puts on a great show. He puts on a but great show. But you it, could watch it on TV because that's what you're going to be doing. Absolutely. You're just looking at the screen anyways. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. so and, and one of the gals, when I told her that was performing, said, well, you take my place. I'll go <laughs> see Paul McCartney. <laughs> Would you mind singing my parts? I'm going yes. to see Paul McCartney. Yes. I can't say the blamer. But, uh, but yeah, you know, instead you're getting spit on by the artist, which is wonderful yeah. when yeah. you're sitting so close. Yeah. But the people coming up before and after and during the intermission – is so wonderful. It's community. What advice do you have for people who say, well, I'm not sure my house is big enough. I'm not sure. I don't have a sound system. I, I've never done this before. How do I do a house concert? Well, we do have an FAQ on our website that uh-huh. you can check out at readjameson.com. That'll, that'll help you with that. But uh, what I would say to people, if you're, if you're already the kind of person who throws parties regularly, then you probably got everything you need. Because the artists can bring their sound system some some places if they've got the lovely lofty ceilings you can they they can play unplugged but often an artist can bring a sound system or or find one scrounge one up from mm-hmm. the community you know sometimes it's more about chairs getting enough chairs right. but you know it's amazing if you just reach out to your friends somebody's got a bunch of folding chairs they'll pop them over everybody wants to get involved and, and play a role and you can let them some people don't have a big house they've got let's say they live in one bedroom apartment. 
and they're thinking, yes, but I really, I'm really good at organizing people and whipping them all up. Well, team up with another person who has the big space, would like to be, you know, a social rock star, but doesn't have those skills, you know, and then you can team up and do it together. Anything's possible. And sometimes people have condos where there's a common room and they can use mm-hmm. that too. Mm-hmm. So I think the possibilities are endless, but everybody can play that part. And because I call it the holy trinity, you know, there's the artist and the audience and the, and the host or the presenter. And without each one of those, no show. You know, so, but that uh, that host, they're more important than they know. Yeah, so. and the synergy that happens when those three come together is just magnificent. So fantastic. And, you know, and the great thing about being a host is you'll often get the artist staying overnight. You get to have breakfast together the next day. They'll, you know, they'll put us up and look after us. But the conversations that happen around the kitchen table into the wee hours sometimes <laughs> yeah. after the show can be pretty fantastic. Oh, I'm, I'm still I'm, laughing I'm, at yeah. that. And, and if we have a few house concerts in a row, I feel like my heart and soul have are, it's almost like I, can, I don't know if I can handle another night of, yeah. of taking all that love in like well it, what we call them is our road families the people that host <laughs> us and then have us stay overnight we call them our road families and they are precious to us yeah. and so you know because you'll go back over the years but the the friendships that are built with our hosts are are deep and abiding and nurture both sides so that's yeah. that's pretty awesome so I would say brave that try yeah. it once try it twice you spend a lot of time on the road, a lot of time driving. Do you sing in the car? Do you write in the car? Oh, oh yeah. We definitely yeah. sing in the car. Uh, I just put on that 70s radio station and we lean into it. But Reed's really good at doing vocal warm-up. <laughs> I prefer to do a good vocal warm-up before a show. And, and that's the time when we're on the road is I definitely do that while we're driving. And if you're stuck in traffic, nothing's better than passing time in traffic. Then. But also it's nice to do it in the car because it's, it's a terrible thing to listen to. <laughs> it's just the worst thing. Oh, I can't even stand to hear it myself. So we go in the car. So even if we're not driving, we'll sit in the car. We're going to, we're going to go out to the car and do our vocal warm-ups. But, uh, and also another thing that we love doing is bringing all those little collected snippets of recordings that haven't made it into as a song yet. He's just done the record card melody. We've got an MP3 and we just you know play it in the car and talk about... What does that what does that make you feel? Does that sound like mm. sometimes that, we'll sing or? something over it together over and over and over just to kind of see how that flows and everything. So yeah, the car is actually a very special place for us, mm. you know, because we don't own own one and we're always renting. So it's a new car every day. It's very exciting. You, you live in Canada. You tour a lot in the Pacific Northwest. Is it difficult getting across the border? Yes, it's challenging for sure and mm. it's well, the odd thing is that it's not reciprocal. We have to get a permit to to do that, and we do. We always play by the rules. We yeah. to the letter. We get a lot of help with our union in uh, Canada, but we have to pay a you know a hefty fee to the Homeland Security, and then a fee to our union, and you know it's quite a bit of paperwork, and you have to wait at least sixty days to get it oh. back in time. You know we've had to cancel. Remember one yeah, time in Seattle because we didn't get our thing. It wasn't their fault. There was a huge delay due to some processing issue. It's qu- it's quite onerous. And what's funny and interesting and kind of Frustrating is that uh, Americans, uh, you know, folk duo doing the same thing coming up to Canada, if they've only if they're playing less than two weeks and they're you know just doing their thing, they don't have to do any paperwork or permits or anything. So come on up, guys, steal our jobs, why don't (sighs) you? Kidding, but uh, but that's not going to stop us from coming down here to all these lovely people. Yeah, so so we've got a lot of people that you know are kind to us and book us way in advance. A lot of the house concerts are booked in advance because some people will only do you know, four in a year or something. And uh, in the smaller venues, they've, they've got these things map, mapped out so we can book it all. So we'll get a permit for the whole year so we can come down and and, uh, nice. and, and take advantage. We're actually on the uh, standby list for, um, we got accepted on standby for South by Southwest. Oh, yeah. no kidding. We've been apply- applying for that since birth. 
And so to finally have gotten uh, a, a reply is pretty exciting. It'll probably kill us because it's also my birthday in, in March. So I'm not sure we'll survive it if we get if we get to, <laughs> uh, we get chosen. But I sure we sure would love to perform at that. You were recently in San Francisco, and there was a rumor about Reed being caught in what was called a love vortex. <laughs> oh my God! I'm now you heard about that? Do tell. Well, so it's the night before my birthday. We're playing at this amazing sort of speakeasy bar and the, the uh, these amazing two brothers twin brothers twin and they brothers. set up a, 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 a speakeasy in their garage huge garage for san francisco i'm like wow yeah. you have a garage and they put on these you know shows like you know all the trimmings and dancing and just the best crew these people know how to party and have a good time for whatever reason they chose us as their first musical act to have there now we've done it a couple times they've got such a great community it's you feel i honestly feel like i'm in a movie about a cool community and there and you can't possibly have this many interesting friends and who have their kids here who are being well behaved. Yes, even the children were there and they were all being well behaved and and the parents weren't, you know, hovering over them or anything. It was so relaxed, but uh, but at the end of it, you know, they're like, well, it's Reed's birthday. I think it's time we did the love vortex and Reed and I are like, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh. Reed like literally grabs me and pulls me in closer to him just in case they're going to do something to him. But but they actually started. I'm standing in the middle of the circle, and they they sang "Happy Birthday" first to me, which was the first time in many years which I've I've heard that, and I I, I was touched by that. I was, and I was like, "Oh, good grief! I hate this song." Well, um. <laughs> but then uh, what happens is they start closing in, and we're talking about fifty people, like a big circle around them, big circle, and they start closing in and start making hooting and hollering and noises like and yelping, noises. and and literally just. Closing in, closing, closing in, in, get closer and still. And I'm just totally in, in, intertwined with people. Like, like and, he's and in the world's no biggest group hug. Biggest group hug, and everybody's just all, and they're all making noise. It's almost like we're all just sort of a... Like a meditative chant, almost like... Sounds tribal. It was very tribal. We were, Reed was afraid, of course, they were going to throw him up in the air or something like that. And we'd, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. That wasn't going to go over well, but they didn't. But it was so, it was weird because we actually got a little... Teary, like you know, yeah. it was beautiful. And when, and when, yeah, and when they uh, disentangled him. themselves, and, and and I had more space, I I sort of felt the loss of everybody of there. I was yeah. like, oh, and I felt, but I also felt like, oh, and here we are. This is the next chapter of my life starting right now. I feel cleansed. It's a beautiful it thing. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. yeah, the brothers and they, Gilbert, you know, and and one of them told me that it, it truly is a special occasion sort of thing. It's not like. You know, they were just whipping out the love vortex at every party. Yeah. I don't know, man. But I don't mind if they do. But, yeah, so it's really, uh, really special. The Bay Area is pretty exciting. We love the Pacific Northwest. You know, we live in Vancouver for a reason, you know. And uh, we could travel all kinds of places, but so many places you travel, the food's bad. There's lots of boring stretches of road. You know, and maybe people that aren't quite on our same political, spiritual yeah, headspace. Yeah. Uh, but here in the Pacific Northwest, it's always fantastic. The food's great. The people are awesome. The view's amazing. <laughs> there's water. There's food. There's, you know, there's a, um, a caring, progressive nature to, to most of the communities that we go through. So we feel like I just want to come back as often yeah. as possible. As you feel all this love down here in the Pacific Northwest or in San Francisco and or even in Ireland, and then you go back home to Vancouver, what about that transition? I mean, is there kind of a... Postpartum depression comes to mind. Oh, Reed definitely gets postpartum. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah postpartum, but it, and it's gotten easier because you just you come to expect that, mm. and you don't you're not too hard on yourself. Or I'm I'm getting to that place where it's like you know you come home after five weeks on the road, 
you're going to have this weird, it even feels weird when you go away for a long weekend and you come home. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah okay, I'm home again. But, but, okay. And all that community and all that love and everything is, is amazing. But, you know, let's be honest. You know, we've been living in the car, you know, <laughs> with all <laughs> of our stuff. Yeah, shifting all shifting your stuff around. There, there's around a certain endlessly. joy to all of a sudden being like, hey, we've got a kitchen. This and, is great. and also we just shut the door and we lock it and nobody's coming in here. Yeah. I am naked. So, like the first chance I got. We're yeah. both like we're, we're not wearing clothes for at least a portion of today. And, you know, cause Th- there's a video that. that's gone viral, on that, by the way, but I'm, I'm not going to go there. I thought I was home. I jumped the gun. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's always a, home is where the heart is. And we're fortunate in that we bring that with us wherever we go. But it also comes home with us, too. And home is also where the recording studio is. Yeah. yeah. And I, I actually really like I find the best time to sort of get right into creating something is right after you've gotten back from a trip because you you're definitely affected by all that inspiration mm. and love. Yeah, so he goes and sits himself down in the studio and starts doing stuff right away. He just, that's his sort of, yeah. I think that's how he busts that that uh, postpartum. But right now is exciting time for Reed because we're rebuilding our studio. So we've had oh. the same gear and set up for a very long time. It's time for an upgrade. And so Reed, I've sort of given him a little bit of carte blanche to teach. Some new toys. Oh new my toys. goodness, he's so excited. You know, I mean, we're doing it within our means mm-hmm. because yeah. that's... And it was a, and, and the studio I had was fully capable, but the, this new studio time's just is, gone by. Is, it's, it's gotten it, old. It has, uh, yeah, it's going to be great. It's gotten old. We we actually won most of the stuff in our old studio when we won the John Lennon songwriting contest, right? Uh, for our song Rail, so that was exciting um, because also our music is evolving, and he's so excited. I can't tell you. It's yeah. like for him, I don't know. Christmas times 100. It's Christmas yeah. times 100. Yes, the, 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 the music project that will be coming out, uh, the Pigeon Project, what, what's the time frame on that? Or is there one? I think, uh, well, sort of keeping it a bit loose, but my guess is uh, by li- like this November, I think that we'll have some show here, I'm hoping. so. Uh, does it help to put a, a personal deadline on things yes, for you? Yes, it as absolutely does. It absolutely creators? does. And you kind of have to, too, because yeah. to book uh, venues, yeah. a lot of time you have to do it a year out. So, yeah, yeah. so that's just, that drives the bus for so many things, yeah, you know. Yeah. Our idea with this project is that it should be scalable. It's something we can get down to a quick half hour we could do in front of. Uh, an organization or something like that to kind of plant the seed or a full two hour, right. you know, big thing with backdrops and, and like I said, videos, marionettes, Ooh. you know, there's going to, it's going to be kind of like where your mind goes. Yes. Yeah. So I'm really excited about all the different things and, and that it will be a, an immersive experience where everybody really. And I would think you could partner with a lot of nonprofit Organizations. That's, and I'd love to do that I'd very and, much. And schools that. that have budgets schools, yeah. yes. for education. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, and, and education is easier to oh. swallow with some music. Yeah. You know, do Absolutely. you remember like Schoolhouse Rock? You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, honest to goodness, <laughs> I wouldn't know what a conjunction was if yeah. it wasn't for them. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so I think, especially with kids, you know, if you're trying to reach them about stuff, you can't sit there and, and preach to them about yeah. that they need to start thinking now about how they can avoid, yeah. you know, hitting the streets. Yeah. It's like, let's sing it to them and maybe they'll walk away. But also just to cut down on the judgment. We're all so judgmental yeah. of ourselves, and that spills out into everybody else. And if we can have people thinking about, wow, yeah, why do I hate pigeons so much when crows are so much noisier and geese poop 700 mm. pounds a year, mm. you know, versus 25 <laughs> pounds of pigeon poop, why are pigeons getting the bum rap? Yeah, you yeah. Mm. Pigeons and doves. And speaking of doves, I, I think of the Prince song, When Doves Cry. Yeah, it's and, a special song. An absolutely wonderful song. It's been covered by a lot of people. But you've internalized it. Well, you know, it's one of the best things about writing songs or, and or and covering other people's songs is that you get a second chance to hear the words. Like I know I wasn't, yeah, no, right. we weren't paying attention oh, yeah, to those I words was... when we first heard that right. song. 
you know, back in the 80s and we're dancing along. We don't know. Yeah. But the way I always think about this song is, uh, is about how hard we are on our parents when they were actually doing the best they could at the time with what they had. Yeah. If we don't sort out our, you know, internal trauma about how we feel about our parents, if we don't sort that out, it will haunt us for the rest of our days and mm. lead to self-medicating. Yeah. And that self-medicating is what has taken so many of our best artists mm. and Prince, you know, chief among them, losing him. You know, we were in Ireland when we found out that was just the entire musician community was like, that's not even possible. Like we can't, we can't have lost the purple one. But yes, you can, because he was, he had a terrible yeah. upbringing, you know, and that impacted his need to self-medicate. And, and that's why we lost him. So, Would you share that song? We would love to. Dig if you will a picture of you and I engaged in a kiss. The sweat of your body covers me. Can you, my darling, can you picture this dream if you will a courtyard, an ocean of violets in bloom? Animals strike curious poses. They feel the heat, the heat between me and you. How can you just leave me standing alone in a world that's so cold? Maybe I'm just too demanding Maybe I'm just like my father Too bold Maybe I'm just like my mother Well, she's never satisfied She's never satisfied Why do we scream at each other? This is what it sounds like when doves cry If you will, my stomach Feel how it trembles inside Oh, you've got the butterflies all tied up Don't make me chase you, even doves have pride How can you just leave me standing Alone in a world that's so Alone in a world that's so Maybe I'm just too demanding Maybe I'm just like my father, too bold. Maybe you're just like my mother. Well, she's never satisfied. She's never satisfied. Why do we scream at each other? This is what it sounds like when doves cry. Actually, pigeons and doves have no sound for pain. They suffer in silence. How can you just leave me standing alone in a world that's so alone cold. in a world that's so maybe cold. I'm just too demanding maybe 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 I'm just like my father you too know he's bold. too bold. maybe you're just like maybe my mother you're just like my mother Ooh, she's never satisfied she's never, she's never satisfied why, why do we scream at each why? other this is what it sounds like when doves cry. 
When doves cry When doves cry When doves cry When doves cry Reed Jameson and Carolyn Victoria Mill. The Reed Jameson Band. And uh, nice enough to spend about an hour in the studio with us uh, in, in this edition of the Songwriter Sessions. I, I want to give out the relevant information because you gotta f- you got to follow these people. You've got to see them in person. If you can't do that, buy their product, buy their merch. Go to the website. The website is readjameson.com. Yes, but the only thing, well, the only place we're not just straight up Reed Jameson, so like Twitter, Reed yep, Jameson, yep. Facebook, Reed Jameson, is Instagram because some fellow with the sadly same name scooped that so read Jameson music on Instagram. You're kidding, really? Yes. I, Have I, you been I, in I, contact? I'm go, no, I haven't, but I think I'm, I'm thinking about going and threatening him. <laughs> you know, just sort of like, you know, see see if that doesn't work, then I'll send Reed to be nice and beg him. But uh, but it would be more convenient if we had them all the same. But, uh, but who knows? Maybe he's listening and scared and willing to <laughs> <laughs> There you go. There we go. But what, sharing is the thing we want people to do. Nowadays, you know, we don't people don't buy music so much. Uh, Although, you know, buying advanced tickets to concerts is more important than people realize. It gives us a sense of security about how the show's going to go. But sharing is what we really want. If you if you love it, share it. And that's a thing that we don't do enough of, eh? We all share what we hate, yeah, but not so much yeah. what we love. So share what you love, and hopefully that's us. You <laughs> guys are the best. I love you both. You Thank you so too, much, honey. Neil. We love you. Midaza is the latest CD, and, uh, of course, the Pigeons Project is coming up uh, a little bit later on this year. Thank you so much for coming oh, into the studio. Our pleasure, Neil. Uh, Neil, you're the bomb. I've wanted to do it for a long time. Hey. And finally, it has happened, Yay. and it's been wonderful. And, by the way, you know, we talked earlier about, about the Leonard Cohen CD. We're going to close out with a little snip from that and, and Dear Leonard. You're awesome. Thank you Thank so much, you. Neil. And thanks for caring as deeply as you do about the music because it really does make a difference for us to feel that you were paying attention. Yeah, absolutely. Thank we're you. all part of the community. That's right. Dear Leonard, I write you today my proposal in song. My struggle lies where you are strong I've wrestled with words for so very long Line after line as each conversation was wrong Pinned to the ground, silence won Started and ended before I'd begun I'll lend you the blue of my eye and a body still young Voice of an angel, sweet sound from my guitar and tongue. If you lend me the lines of your years and the ease of your song, inside this bargain we'll both belong. 